Let's pray before we begin. Lord please let us understand your word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen. We call it Solomon's Temple. And well we might, he built it. Well we might, he dedicated it. And well we might, he finally opened it. And well we might, he it was who prayed the great dedication prayer. It was, in a very real sense, Solomon's temple. Yet this evening, I'm going to turn for most of my message as I speak on this temple, not to Solomon, whose temple it was, whose name was used in the naming of the temple, who dedicated it and officially opened it, but I'm going to turn my attention this evening on David, his father. David said to Solomon, Timber also and stone have I prepared. He said, Solomon, here is the preparation. Now, you add to it. You add to it. <clears throat> Let's say this. It is not enough for one generation to say to the next one, it's your business what you do. Do what you can. Our nation absolutely has forgotten anything about decency when it comes to leaving something for the next generation. This is parenthesized, but all these high wages, all these strikes, all these demand for more money are doing nothing in the world but guaranteeing a depression and a famine for the next generation. That's all they're doing. The, <clears throat> the government, the, uh, the unbelievable national debt is saying to these kids over here, kids, we don't care about you. Long as we can eat thick steaks, as long as we can drive big cars, as long as we can have the luxuries, we don't care about you. We don't much care. No, ladies and gentlemen, it is every generation's responsibility to hand down to the succeeding generation <coughs> materials with which to build a society and a nation and a civilization that will give them the privileges that we've had. Now, may I say this also? Just as really as it is responsibility of those of us in this generation that is passing off the scene to prepare, as did David, the stone, the timber, and the materials for the building of the temple, it is equally as important for the next generation to add to what this generation has left in preparation. <clears throat> I mean, I mean to say this, and I'll say it tonight after a while, young people, teenagers, and I used to could look over here, and I, I still like it when the teenagers all sit together, but uh, uh, wherever you are, teenagers, may I say this, you are obligated not to let what we give you go to pot, if you'll forgive the expression, and, uh, and you are to add to what we Leave for you. 
A little poem. I think I read it here. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yesterday <coughs> lasted just for a while. It's not the poem. I'm just chatting with you. Today is so swiftly passing. And for my generation, it's almost tomorrow. If we, <coughs> if we give those who follow us half a chance, we're going to have to hurry and gather the materials quickly. Young people, God will hold you accountable if you squander what we're leaving you. He'll hold you accountable. David's part, timber also in stone have I prepared. Solomon's part, and thou mayest add thereto. First of all, I want to talk about David. I love David. David gathered the materials. He gathered gold, brass, silver, iron, stone. I found something in the Scripture I'd never noticed. I've read the Bible through again and again and again. I've never noticed one statement about David when he was gathering materials for the temple. It says David became poor. David became poor that he might leave to Solomon and the succeeding generation preparations and the materials for the temple. Do you know that David gathered, it is estimated, between two and a half and five billion dollars for the building of the temple? He very carefully <coughs> sacrificed till he himself became personally poor, and gathered and gathered and gathered, and finally, in poverty himself, he handed over to Solomon, preparation and materials for the building of a building that cost in our money between two and a half and five billion dollars. Think of it. David not only gathered the materials, but David fought. When David was king, the country was at war. They could not build a temple. It would have been destroyed. Somehow or another, we must find peace. <clears throat> Somehow or another, there must be the conquering of the enemy. We must bring the enemy to his knees. Or we cannot invest this five billion dollars in the building of this great, magnificent structure as a house for God. And so, <clears throat> if, we, if we do not bring our enemy to his knees, we'll build it, he'll destroy it, and the temple will be to no avail. So David not only gathered the materials, for the temple. But David fought the battle. He fought the enemy. He brought the enemy to his knees that Solomon may have peace in the time of the building of the temple. That isn't all. David found the site for the new temple. You recall the threshing floor of Arana? David found the site on which the temple rebuilt. He said to Solomon, Here is where... God wants the temple. Here are the materials with which to build the temple. Every once in a while you find some young person who says, I don't want to build. I, I want to be my old man. No, you're a fool. You're a fool. You better build on what your predecessors have, have, have 
have, 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 have prepared for you and given to you. So David comes to his son, and the Bible says that Solomon was a, was a tender young man. He was not an old man at all. He was a very young man. And David comes and says, Solomon, uh, it's not my job now to build the temple. I'm going to gather all of the, uh, of the uh, timber and the stone and uh, all the preparation I'll make, and I'll fight the battle and leave you a peaceful land so you can build the temple in peace. I'll bring the enemies to their knees so you can build the temple without fear of it being destroyed as soon as it's built. And I'll find a place and I'll tell you exactly where to build it. So David gets the location. He gathers the materials. He fights the battle so that the temple can be built. And David says, Timber also and stone have I prepared. And thou mayest add thereto. That isn't all. <coughs> he got the plans from God for the building of the temple. Solomon didn't get the plans. David did. Yes, it's Solomon's temple, but David got the plans. Listen to me. David came to God and said, God, what kind of building would you have my boy to build? And God handed down to David the exact instructions for the building. He gave him the, the weight of the furnishings. He gave him the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the size of it. He told him about the candlestick. He told him about the lampstand. He told him about all the furnishings until David got from God the exact instructions on how to build the temple. And so he said to Solomon, we have peace. Now you can build in peace. We have the place. I've gotten that for you. I have the instructions. Here are the instructions for the building of the temple. I've gotten that for you from God. And now here is here are the materials, the stone and the timber. And, uh, and, and the jewels for the building of the temple. It's yours. He said, Timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. And then David gathers, brings Solomon to his, to his side. He talks to his son. And he says something like this, Now, son, you're a tender age, but I have a job. There's a job for you to do. It's not mine to build the temple. It's mine to gather the, the, the materials. It's mine to find the place. It's mine to give you peace. It's mine to fight the battle. It's mine to get the instructions. It's mine to get the plans from God. Now, son, it's up to you to take this spot and this material and these plans in this piece that I have fought for you to have so that you might build the temple exactly according to God's specifications. And that's what if you'll let me again say it, it's exactly what I've tried to do for 16 years here in this church. I want to say a few words to you adults. What are you, what are you doing, adults, to get the materials for the next generation? I'm afraid that most of the parents in this room are more concerned about you enjoying your children than you are the future for your children. I mean, you're more concerned about your children edifying you and helping you. Suppose tonight your daughter came to you and said, Mother and Father, God has called me to go to the distant mission field. Would you be happy? I recall the doctor, Hal Buckner, down to the Buckner Orphan's home, standing before a great crowd of people in Texas one time. He had been to China, a missionary to China all of his life. 
And he came back to the States and he, he was an old man now. And he had to leave China back in the days before the dirty communists got their rotten, stinking hands on China. And the China was open in those days to mission fields and many folks wanted missionaries to China. And Dr. Butner came back after a lifetime and he stood up before a great crowd of people with tears streaming down his eyes. And he said, oh, he said, I can't go back to China. I'm old and my health is gone and I'm back to the States. And he got to crying. He said, who will go to China and take my place? Who will go? Who will go? And he moved that great crowd of people and suddenly he said, who will go take my place? And nobody moved. And he got on his knees and begged and pleaded with tears streaming down his cheeks. And suddenly a lovely, lovely young lady came down the aisle and looked up in his face and said, I'll go to China to take your place. Daddy, and Dr. Buckner said, Oh, I didn't mean you. I didn't mean you. I mean, I've served all these years on the mission field, and now why can't I enjoy my daughter? I didn't mean you. You'll forgive me, but I mean Becky and David and Cindy and Linda. Sure, any parent got any sense wants his children to be around him. Oh, but listen to me. Listen to me. We ought as parents to bathe ourselves with only one desire in life. And that is to leave for our children decency and character and principle and the materials with which they can build a life after we're gone. That's what we've tried to do, and I mean that. And I, I'm tempted. I'm always prone to look this way when I talk to teenagers. But I realize the teenagers are all over the building. But may I say this? That's what we've tried to do, some of us. David fought to bring peace. Would you like to know why? Fifteen years ago, we fought hell on earth in this place. Would you like to know why? Night after night, my life was threatened in this place. Would you like to know why we went through a battle here like, like a, a, probably a, a Baptist church has never seen? We fought. Why? 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 We fought so we could win the battle and bring a peaceful kind of a church for the rearing of our young people. That's why most of you kids over here <coughs> were just, some of you were not even born that night. We had that, those days, and especially that one night, we had our battles. You were not even born. Some of you were in the nursery and some were little bitty tykes. But I don't know why the rest of these folks fought. I know why I did. I know why I did. Why? I tell you why. I want to be able to say to you, when I pass off the scene, when these lips are stilled and this tongue is quiet and these eyes cannot open and these hands can no longer beat the pulpit and this body can no longer move, I want to be able to, as I pass off the scene, to say by the grace of God, I left you with the materials enough where you could build a life of character, and keep this old church going. Uh, I want there to be a church like this with a crowd like this on Sunday night or bigger. I want to be that way 50 years from now or 25 years from now when your children are, are, are sitting over here and you're sitting out here. And it can be if those of us who are adults will, like David, fight the battle for God and prepare the materials and find the spot and say, here's the plan right here. Build it like God says to build it. It can be. Years ago, old Dr. Ripon, Ripon, who was pastor of the church that Spurgeon took a long time before Spurgeon was ever born, this old saintly man used to stand up before his people 
And he wasn't a very gifted man, and he, and, and he wasn't a, a great builder, and the church wasn't real big. And old Dr. Ripon used to stand up before the people there in, in, in the church in London with tears streaming down his cheeks, and he'd say, Oh, people, some of these days God is going to send a young man. Pray that he will. Pray that he will. God's going to send a young man with more talent than I, with more ability than I, a better preacher than I. God is going to send him. And that young man is going to come and build a great work and great crowds will come here. Dr. Ripon died about the same year that Charles Haddon Spurgeon was born. Don't you imagine up in heaven when Spurgeon was only 19 years of age. I said 19. When Spurgeon was 19, he became pastor of one of the, lar- of the three largest Baptist churches in all the city of London, England. A great church. And, uh, and old Dr. Ripon up in heaven looked down and his prayer was answered. I'm not building this church just so it'll be okay in my lifetime. I want when you little girls down here have little girls that age, and it won't be very long. I want you to have a man of God who hates the devil and preaches this book standing up here just like Brother Hiles has tried to do through his generation. And I want to give you the materials, and I want to give you young folks the materials and say, here it is. I've gathered the materials, and here's the spot, and here are the plans, and I've given you peace, and I fought the battle. Just kidding. We'll end a little bit today. Uh, She'd done a little something not to not to do anything uh, unkind because honestly they'd never do an unkind thing to their dad, and I mean that never, never. I never hear a cross word to me from any of the kids. That's the truth. I mean that. And uh, but anyway, um, uh, she said, and I I facetiously said, "Yeah, I said you're old, Patty. One of these days you'll look in his face and and you you appreciate your old dad. You know you've done that. I was just kidding." And and I said, "Yeah," and you'll say, "I wish I hadn't treated him so mean." You know, one of these days, she said, "Don't talk like that. That sounds bad. It sounds bad to her. I think that sounds to me. I'm the guy laying there." And uh, <clears throat> but uh, but um, the honest truth is, it won't be long. It won't be long. And so as David fought the battle, and as David gathered the materials. And by the way, a lot of us have become poor for you kids. I don't know whether you know it or not, but I could be a rich man tonight. You know why I'm not rich? For your sake. For your sake. You know why I fought? For your sake. And, and, and as David found it and purchased the place, we've done the same thing. I mean, we're sacrificed. We've taken our billfolds and laid them on the line and said, Okay, all of it. Listen, there are people in this room tonight who've canceled vacations this summer just so they can put money in the college fund. <clears throat> One of the dearest families we have is going to spend $1,000 or 2001 on a vacation, and I'm not saying everybody ought to do this, but they felt like they couldn't do it. One of the sweetest families we have this week came in and and gave their money to the college fund. Young people, we've become poor for your sakes. We've gathered the materials. I recall the night the deacons and I went out to to a, a wooded area. We call it Baptist City now. That's where you go to grade school, from kindergarten through sixth grade. That's where you go to junior high school and high school. It was a wooded area. And a bunch of godly men got on a church bus or two and rode out there and asked God to give it to us and stood out there in a wilderness, not a street out there, not a sewer line, 
not a uh, not a gas line, not a water pipe out there, not a telephone pole out there. Nothing but wilderness. We voted out there that night to to, to get that. And why? Why did we vote? So you'd have a place to go to school. We could leave you material. We could leave you peace. We could leave you a place where you can go and have a decent place to go. And we could say to you, uh, timber also and stone if I prepared. And thou mayest add thereto. Most ungrateful person in this world is a person who will go to Hammond Baptist High School and grade school and not live right. <coughs> I mean, a person that will go out there and go to that school <coughs> and go in your car or to your record player and play rock music, you are crooked. I mean it. I'm not just preaching. I'm telling the truth. I think you're a dirty, stinking, lying crook. And I want to make an announcement. <coughs> I am not going to have a boy playing on our basketball team or football team this year who listens to rock music. <coughs> you say, so you adults may stand. Well, they don't like it. Get you another preacher then. There is nothing as much from the pit of hell as rock music is. From hell. Nothing. Sorry is the devil that invented this stuff. If you decide to play on our basketball team or be one of our cheerleaders, you get rid of your rock music. If I find out about it one time, I'm calling meeting the faculty. And brother, you won't be a cheerleader, you won't be on a basketball team, you won't be on the football team. Why? I you why. We didn't build that school for rock music. Amen. Don't you ever laugh while I'm preaching about this. Amen. I'll get you after a while. I'm simply saying, I'm willing to give my life and give my, and I mean it, I mean it. I'm willing to give my life and give my money and all, all of us are, many of us are. David said, Solomon, you're supposed to add thereto. O people of God, the need is for you and I as parents, <coughs> you and I as parents, no talking on people, you and I as parents, to gather the material and forget whether our children like us or not. And forget whether our children bring us personal joy or not. Brother, if David Hiles never looks at me again and I never get to see him as long as he lives, and that'd break my heart, but if I never got to see him, if he'll be the man of God always he is tonight, I'll think my life well spent. I'm simply saying if Lyndon, Cindy, and Becky will be soul-winning, dedicated, pure, decent, separated, Christian young ladies, Though I would not want it to be this way, I'd rather them spit on their dad the rest of their lives if needs be, be what they ought to be, than give me favor and not be what they ought to be. Moms and dads, we better, we, many, many of you parents, <coughs> many of you, you better gather up your forces. Now, a lot of you don't have much time. There are <coughs> people on our deacon board and on our Sunday school faculty who are going to turn out children they're going to break your hearts. Now, I mean it. I'm not trying to hurt you. I, I'm on my knee, I'll get on my knees if need be to try to help you. I don't want you to have a broken heart one day. But we have some people in this church who are leaders who are going to have broken hearts <clears throat> unless you get busy and help some of us. 
in the rearing of your children for God and soul winning and decency and against sin. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm, I'm trying to help you. I don't want you to cry yourself to sleep. I don't want you to spend your old age with a broken heart, crushed on the inside, weeping at night. Where's my wandering boy tonight? I don't want that for you. I don't want you to have a family reunion and <coughs> your children smoke and drink when they come back home. I don't want you to go to their houses for Thanksgiving dinner and find that you're ashamed of what they do. You ask them where they go to church. They say, we don't go anywhere to church. I don't want that for you. And I know something about what's going to happen. I mean, I can see down the line. I stand higher than you do. I've seen more people than you have. I've seen more kids go to the devil than you have. And I know, I know, I know, I know what I'm talking about. Some of the finest folks and my dearest friends in this room are going to be broken hearted one of these days. If you don't write quickly, undergird your children... I don't mean just take them to a ping-pong game either. I don't mean just take them fishing. I mean, while you've got time in God's dear name, you stand behind those of us who are trying to help them. If we make a mistake, you realize we do it honestly and sincerely, and you stand behind us, and you use the paddle when you've got to use it, or spank when you've got to spank, and discipline when you've got the discipline, and you bring them to church. Very Well, we have folks in this church, deacons and teachers... Sunday morning, Sunday night, don't even come to church. What kind of paganism is that? You're not going to come to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Don't you be on a deacon board around here. You say, what are you right? You've got to tell them. Listen, when we elected you as deacon, we talked to you about that, and you promised you'd be in the services. Yes, we'll talk about that deacon. You won't buy me off, deacon. Faithfulness. Faithfulness on our faces, gathering material, finding the site, teaching the book, training our young people, so we can say one day, when we pass off the scene, we can say, young people, we've gathered the timber, we've gathered the stone, we've found the place, we have the instructions, we've fought the battle. You add to it. You add to it. You don't believe me? You ask some of the dear people, some of the dearest folks in this room tonight have heard me preach sermons like this through these years and have not heeded. And their children tonight are breaking their hearts. There are people tonight in this room, 60 and 65 and 70 years of age, right now in this room, whose children don't even go to church anywhere. And I'm not scolding you. I'm using you as an example so these, so those of us who have children who are still young, children and teenagers, will gather the stones and do what we can to hand them to them when we pass off the scene. I used to run years ago, believe it or not, I used to run the first lap on a mile relay team. Hey, they'd give me a, <coughs> they'd give me a baton. And uh, I'd take off on the first lap, 440 yards. Now, my goal was one goal, to give the fellow who followed me a lead when I gave him the baton. I mean, I wanted to run as fast as I could. I could not win the race by myself. But when I handed that baton to the man who followed me, I wanted him to be in the lead. When I hand this Bible... 
you young people, I want you to be in the lead. I want you to be in the lead. What a noble goal. That's what differentiates us from dumb beasts and cattle. We have a goal in life, a purpose in life. You're not here, adults, to eat and drink and marry and giving marriage and buy and sell. That's not why we're here. We're not here to have fun and pray. We're not here just to live it up. We're here to leave something. We're gone so those who follow us will have a chance, a purpose. No price is too great. No sacrifice too much. Today's been a very emotional day for me because I've looked out and seen many of our young people back home. And I've been so thrilled. I did not know this morning, for example, that Dale and Carol Minton were here. And, uh, and I've been praying for some of our kids. You, listen. You wait. You, you can't, you'll never know. Some young men will. You pray for a little girl when she's born. And go by the nursery. And I, and I do it almost every week. I go in the nursery room and get on my knees in the nursery and pray God to bless those little babies in there and pray God to use them. You go to the nursery and pray for little girls, little girl. <clears throat> and then when she's a beginner, she comes up and she hugs you and kisses you. And she, she writes you notes and sticks them under your door and says, You're the greatest preacher in the whole world. <laughs> You do that. And then she becomes the junior higher. Go, I mean, build her a high school. She goes to the junior higher. <clears throat> she starts reading dirty magazines, dirty books, listening to rock music. I try to help her. Starts getting the wrong crowd, gets rebellious, skips the services here sometimes, and is found outside the services. And then have your parents or your parents come to your office like they did to me this week. And I say, well, I know she's not living right, but would you listen to me? And you have them say to you, Pastor, she hates you. Try it. I've given my life to this church. I've given my life to you kids. I've laid down my money and my life and my time. And this old horse voice has been given to warn you kids. And you hear the words. She hates you. I looked out this morning and saw Dale and Carol. And I couldn't control myself. I've been burdened for some kids lately. It's time you parents got more burdened and less fussing to those of us who are burdened. It's time you cried over them more and fussed at us less. I'm not mad at you. I'm not trying to get back at you. I'm trying to save you kids. Why don't you help me? I looked out and saw Dale and Carol. I said, thank God. Some of them turned out right. Dan, Kelly, and Lita tonight. Thank God. Some of them turned out right. I saw Debbie. Used to be Debbie Jones back here. Service tonight. Obviously enjoying the service and glad to be home. Thank God some of them turned out right. Levon and 
Joy, Joy Canavan, been home. I've been watching them. School teachers down in Pensacola, Florida, lovely teachers. Sat there and remembered. Hey, LeVon came to my office. She said, I'm crippled. I don't want to go to college. <clears throat> and I said, LeVon, you're crippled. She's here tonight. She, she knows this is true. I said, LeVon, you're crippled. And unless you go to college, you won't have a chance. You can't be a clerk in a dime store the way you walk. You couldn't stand up all day. You couldn't be a waitress in a restaurant. You couldn't. You've got to prepare yourself. And she came back and she said, Brother Hiles, I'll go for a year. I said, Devon, don't do it. Don't do it. I said, go prepare to be a school teacher and, and, and make something out of yourself. I said, a cripple is going to be something successful or you'll be on welfare. The government will support you and you don't want that. <clears throat> Got mad every one night, acted like I was. Broke her heart. But it was break her heart then or break her heart now. I was so proud of her when she graduated from college. Now she's a school teacher. Thank God some of them Kids, I know what I'm talking about tonight. You're listening to Brother Hiles. It's not whether he gets his way or you get yours. It's the very birthright to your success and happiness in life. The rock music crowd is the most miserable, wretched bunch of idiots in the whole world. <clears throat> They're not happy. Not. I know. Young lady came to my office this morning to tell me goodbye. Grew up here, Diane Cowling. And I remembered. Diane said, "Brother Hiles, I'm going to." Atlanta, Georgia, I'm going to be a teacher for Tom Smith in his school. She said, thank you that you didn't let me quit. I recall the day she came in my office and said she was going to quit. <clears throat> and I said, Diane, don't quit. Don't quit. Stay. Well, she said, I'm not a good student. I said, then be a good student. And I recall one time when I was a little worried about her. <laughs> She's a little backslidden, and she'll be first to admit it. This morning, there she stood, weeping. She said, I feel like I'm saying goodbye to my own father. She's leaving to go teach. She made it. She listened to her preacher, who loved her more than the people. Listen, I love you more than all the people put together that want you to do what's wrong. Cried, placed a kiss of love on my cheek. She's gone now, but thank God she made it. Thank God. Why? Because some of us labored and fought so the church could have peace, and gathered so the church could have stones, and gathered and gave and sacrificed and did it out. Why? Anyway. We wanted to hand to you young people a decent generation, that's why. For the day of the morning, I was getting ready to come to church, listening to the news on WBBM. 
And the fellow all of a sudden said, now we're going to interview Pastor George Zaris. I thought, good night. <laughs> the BB of George Zaris. I wanted to say, hey, guy, I'm the guy that started this. I trained him. Interview me. <clears throat> he interviewed George Zaris. George could have gone ahead without saying a thing about Dr. Jack Hiles because he knows how hated I am in many circles. But old George on the, on the radio, he said, he said, I want to thank God for Dr. Jack Hiles in the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. I didn't want the publicity, but I thank God for a young preacher boy. I wasn't ashamed of his preacher, Dad. My mind went back to one day George Zaris came home from Tennessee Temple College. <clears throat> he said, I'm quitting school. I'm going to go on out in the ministry now. I said, George, go back, go back. Don't do it, don't do it, go back. <clears throat> I got mad at him. In fact, I kicked him out of the office. He went back and got his gun loaded. Now, George Zaris's church is one of the talks of the nation because of the way he's growing for God. Went out and started that little church out there. <clears throat> one of the first ser- gathered 40 people together. One of the first sermons he preached was on, on, on qualifications for Sunday school teachers. He <laughs> didn't even have a teacher. <clears throat> he said, well, I don't have any Sunday school teachers. That, and he listed all the stuff we list here, you know. Poor people just got there. All 40 of them walked out and left him. <clears throat> he came back over here to my office. He said, what did I do wrong? I said, George, wait till you get some Sunday school teachers first. And then take them off to the side and tell them to do this. <clears throat> he said, oh. And now, uh, you think a pastor doesn't take pride when he sees one of his boys doing that? Huh? You think I don't take pride when I sit here on Sunday tonight while I'm preaching? My boys are preaching, our boys all over the world. Now I've got over a hundred pastors, over a hundred voices right now preaching while I preach. Little Jack Hiles just scattered all this country. One fellow came the other day and said, I hate your insides. If he didn't say insides, he said a word starts the G and ends with an S and it's pronounced guts. <coughs> But he said, I can't get away from you. Everywhere I go, there's one of you. I said, the Bible says he's been dead. Yes, speaketh. You can't hush me. I got too many little houses all over this country. I sat up here, and you don't know how many times I, I, before I walk up here, I said, God, bless my boys. Bless my boys. Why? I've gathered, and I've gathered. And I've sat in that office and counseled till I've grown to the chair. And I've gathered stones and timber and jewels. And I've gotten instructions from heaven and said to the boys, here it is. And I've recommended the places across this country and said, there's the place. Now, adults, we're going to have to get busy. You're going to have to help. Moms and dads, you're going to have to quit criticizing folks that are trying to help you kids. I mean, I'm not defending anybody. I'm saying we need your help, not your criticism. Listen, I can tell you three families. I can call their names right now. They're in this room tonight. Some of the dearest folks in this church. <clears throat> the mother talks too much. And I don't care if you talk about me. I couldn't care less. I got thousands of folks talking. One lady came in on ghost. I want to tell you, I'll tell you what I think of you. I said, wait a minute, honey. You get in line. There's thousands ahead of you. <clears throat> 
quit talking about me. Your children will go to devil if you keep on yakking about other people. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. They say, hey, you, you're not God. I know I'm not God, but I'll bind you one thing. I'm closer to him than you gossips are. <clears throat> Somebody ought to shake you and say, They're your kids! In God's name, shut up! They're your kids. They're your kids. They're your kids. There never has been. There never has been a gossip who raised good kids. I've got a list of names in my office. <clears throat> I call it my honor roll. Of the ten worst gossips in the history of this church in the last 16 years. <laughs> I love them and pray for them. Not a one of them even has a young, uh, an adult child going to church now. <laughs> Some of you ladies are going to say, well, I do. Well, I guess you think you're on the list. <laughs> Listen, you'll forgive me, but I'm too mature to worry about folks gossiping about... No, I don't mean, I don't, I don't mean that. I, I don't like it. I'm too mature to let it get me and dig me and make me mad at you. To me... When a person gossips, and not not many folks talk criticize me. I'm not I'm not trying to. I mean, no no pastor could have more loyal people than I have. <clears throat> but I I'm not trying to get. I mean, when, if you if you were to gossip about me to me, I look at you as somebody that needs help, not as somebody that needs needs uh, needs vengeance or retaliation. But I know what I'm talking about. You won't rear the kind of kids that you want to rear if you keep on criticizing people. And you're not bad ladies. You're not. You're good people. And I love you. And you're wonderful. But you're hurting nobody but those that hear you do it in your household. <clears throat> you're, and what, I've said this before. <clears throat> you shake. There's going to come a day when somebody on this platform or somebody at the school or somebody in the youth department go to help your child. But he or she won't go to us. Because you've shaken the faith of the child in us. Why don't you decide you're going to help us gather some stones and timber? Why don't you decide you're going to fight with us? Not so where the Hiles won't be criticized or, or the staff members won't be criticized. Not for that sake. For the sake of your kids. If you would listen to me tonight and do what I'm, what I'm saying, you'll never be sorry. You'll never be sorry. I'm trying to help you <clears throat> to gather the stones and gather the timber. I say turn just for a few moments now from the adults who need to gather the stones to the last half of David's statement when David said, and thou must add thereto. I don't ask you to appreciate what I've done for you. I don't ask you to preach. And, and those of us who've tried to make you something don't ask you to appreciate it. As far as I'm concerned, if you never say thank you to me, it'll be okay if you'll just add to what we, what we build. That's all we're concerned about. God knows I love thank yous, and I love love, and I love to be loved, and I love folks to be grateful to me. And I treasure every little note that a little boy and a girl sticks under my door. But I'll give all the notes up. I'll give you all your cantaloupes back. 
if you'll just turn out decent. That's all I want. That's all in the world I want. Some of you, some of you deacons have have teen, teenagers sitting right over here <coughs> that haven't been coming to church faithfully lately. Haven't even been to church. I mean, they just don't even come to church. Kids, wherever you are, that's not what we had in mind when we gathered the stones. That's not what we had in mind. Just take the baton and run. I want to say this, kids. Now listen to me carefully. Every teenager hear me now. One of these days, one of these days, you're going to have a baby in that nursery over there. And one of these days, you're going to have little children growing up in this church. And you're going to want a church like this then. Yes, you are. You're going to want one like this. And you're going to want to preach. Listen, then <clears throat> you're going to want a preacher to preach to your kid like I'm preaching to you. You won't have it unless you help build what we've, with what we've given you. Unless you add to it, you won't have it. I mean that. Listen. I'll be in Dallas, Texas next Sunday afternoon. I'll be met at the airport by one of the dearest friends I ever had. Chairman of my deacon board while I was in Texas. He always meets me and lets me have a car and drive it while I'm there. And he'll have his boy graduated from high school this year with him. He called me on the phone and said, Pastor, I want him to go to a Christian school. He doesn't want to go. He's getting rebellious. I was his pastor when he was born. I went to the hospital and held him in my arms. His mother had a tumor on her brain. We had a prayer meeting and God took the tumor out without surgery. I sometimes wonder, listen to me, I sometimes wonder how many of those boys would have been preachers if I'd have stayed in Texas. I mean, it won't be long. It won't be long. We got... How many of you folks have children of your own now? And you grew up in this church? Stand up, would you please? You grew up in this church. All of you. All of you. Have children of your own and you grew up in this church. Thank you. Be seated. Now, some of these people that just stood up, we fretted about them and worried about them. And one night or one day in a sermon, something clicked and they got the idea. Now, kids, you're going to... Look, look. <clears throat> you, take, you take the influence of this church away from this area. You know, you know why we have churches all across this area now that preach, that preach the truth and get people saved? I'll tell you why. The influence of this church right here. Sixteen years ago, you couldn't find a church that stood to a stand like this in this whole South Chicago area. Now, you're going you're gonna to want one. You, you mark it down. Some of you boys. <clears throat> we, have, we have some boys in our high school be seniors next year. That we, listen, I'll, I'll be very, very frank with you. For six years, no, I'm sorry. Yes, for six years. We've looked forward to this graduating class. <clears throat> For six years, 
I and the staff, some of us have made statements, that's the best class we've got. I mean the seniors next year. And I'll be very frank with you. The seniors next year have disappointed us severely. I mean, we've, we've dreamed when you'd become seniors. We've dreamed of the day when you would take the reins of what we built. Look, we gave it to you and to it. Keep it. Carry out the plans. Build it by the instructions. I'm not ready to fold up yet. But I'm but but let's face it, when you're forty eight years old, nearly forty nine, I mean you're not gonna be here as long as you twenty five year olds are, twenty year olds are. You ask Doctor Billings. You ask Doctor Evans. You ask Dr. Hilton. You ask Mr. Pash. <coughs> you ask Mr. O'Claire. <coughs> you ask the men on this staff. You ask our people that know me. I have taken every weapon I have and have walked guard around these institutions around here. Dr. Hilton, you know this is true. Every time I see a little bitty bug, I squash it. Every time I see a little bitty something that might hurt, I try to, 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 to stop it. And I've walked guard like a watchman on the wall through these years of these schools here. And I don't mean to, and you can say I'm cocky, go ahead and say it. Good night. You folks don't say that. You're going to yak about something anyhow. That will give you something good to talk about. You'd be surprised what those schools, including our cottage, would be like tonight if Jack Hiles hadn't walked guard and been mean. You'd be surprised. You ask the faculty, if I ever time I haven't seen a danger point, I've gathered the faculty together and I've scolded and scathed and warned and loved and tried to help. In some cases, fired people. Why? How do you want that? I want to give you a preparation. And some stone, and some timber, and a place, and instruction, for you can add to it so your kids will have the chance we want you to have. There's more to it than he just doesn't understand teenagers. All <clears throat> silly. I understand more about teenagers. I've forgotten more than you know. Good night. All the world I'm trying to do. Give you some stone and some timber. So whenever the last one is preached from behind this pulpit, you'll have enough to build with. A place to build and instructions. Now kids, listen to me for a minute. It's time some of you grew up. It's time some of you grew up. It's time some of you guys quit the crowd you're running with. I mean, our crowd. Some of the crowd here. It's time you grew up. <clears throat> it's time you quit shooting BB guns at cars. It's time you quit quit throwing muskmelons at automobiles. 
It's time you quit bragging about what you can do with the girls. Fellow brags about that a lot. He's trying to convince somebody he's not a sissy, and he's failing. Oh, you should see what I did with old gal last night. Well, you little fake Romeo. Truth is, most of you guys that brag about it, if she puckered, you wouldn't know which way to run. <clears throat> you just a blowhard. It's time you grew up. It's time you grew up. It's time some of you decided you're going to amount to something and not take all of our lives and our toil and our labor and our fighting stomp it under your feet. Now, I'm not, I'm not being a parent tonight and saying, yeah, you just don't appreciate what we've done. No, I'm not doing that. I don't care if you appreciate it or not. I mean it. Spit on me, but be decent. Get a picture of me and throw darts at it if you want to every night before you go to bed. But live clean. And be what you ought to be. Moms, if you'll help us, we can, we can help you. But while we're gathering stones for the building of the temple. If we throw them at each other, our kids won't have anything to build with. They won't. Now, go and get mad if you want to. But if you do, you'll get mad at somebody that loves you more than anybody you ever got mad at in your life before. I'm not trying to get vindication on anybody. I'm just trying another time, pleading with you, pleading with you. I know what you're doing wrong. By the way, if you don't believe it, you check it. In practically every case, and you ask these principles, you ask Dr. Billings, you ask Mr. Pash, you ask Mr. O'Claire, in practically every case where we have delinquents, it runs in the family. I've said it meetings before. Mr. Pash, Mr. O'Claire, Mr. O'Claire Mr. 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 says, uh, says uh, I'm having trouble with a certain, calls a student's name. Mr. Pash grins and says, yeah. Uh, that student's brother or sister's in the high school. We're having trouble with that one, too. You reckon it might be that we parents are not, reckon that we're not gathering enough stones? We're throwing too many stones and gathering too few? They're your kids. They're your kids. They're your kids. It's your life. But I'll tell you something. I'm going to close. One of these days, one of these days, you're going to have a little boy, and he's going to get four years of age or five. It's going to be time for him to start school. And you're going to want there to be a good Christian school for him to go to. He's going to grow up. And you're going to tell him one or two things. You're going to tell him to do what Daddy did or don't do what Daddy did. You're going to tell him to do what Mama did or don't do what Mama did. I'm convinced. <clears throat> I'm convinced that one reason that this heart has never been broken by Becky or David or Linda or Cindy is because I never gave my Mama I gave her one sleepless night. 
Only one. And one of these days, God's going to give you the kind of kids you are. And David said, Timber also. And so- Thank you for listening. And if you like this, please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group Jesus Answers Prayer.